0: when we love what we hate and for me that was like my disability growing up i had a dis- like i still have a disability but i had to i mean it's tough like teenage years for everyone are difficult but just like embracing who we are and really sitting in the fact of like i don't really like the fact that like i'm different than most people and like it, it makes life in a lot of ways really challenging and but when we get to a place where we embrace that when we love that um it can actually be used as one of our greatest assets our superpower We can see that it unlocks doors and potential for our lives like never before.
1: Boy, do we have a special treat in store for you this month. It's my guest, Ryan Nicewender. Ryan's a Tokyo 2020 Paralympic gold medalist, world champion, business leader, and disability inclusion activist. Not to mention what grabbed a hold of my attention with this amazing human being and elite athlete is his recent TEDx talk called Loving What You Hate. I'm sure many of us as leaders, as humans, we have certain insecurities, things that have eaten away at our self-confidence. And if we're not careful, we can let these things have their way with us to such a degree that we really hate them. But what would it look like if you begin in time loving what you hate? What kind of reward would we reap from going through a process like that, ultimately benefiting and serving those around us? Well, Ryan is going to take us on his journey, and I've asked some very thought-provoking questions about his personal and professional life, as well as what led him to loving what he hates. Sit back and relax and enjoy my interview with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks
0: for having me. I am an avid listener and um, really just appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on today.
1: Man, I'll tell you, with with this Inside Out Leadership message that we're both familiar with, we may use slightly different language, we might go about it in a slightly different way, but I'll tell you the common bond that you and I share – uh, not only competing professionally on an elite level through the game of basketball, which we both oh, yeah. <laughs> love and we we devoted a lot of our life to, but even more importantly, um, the why behind, you know, why we do what we do and a fusion of life and inspiration in the midst of that, some of which we're going to hear today. But I figured for the listeners today. We'd love to get to know our guests. So you're no different than than any other in this way. However, maybe how you respond to this could be a little different. But what's a fun fact about Ryan that we need to know, we need to hear about today? Fun fact, um,
0: I have both been skydiving and scuba diving. So I've been higher than most people and lower than most people. I I prefer adventure. I love the thrill. And I think God's created... um, the world for us to experience in totality, and um, it's pretty amazing to be able to, to experience those things. So, uh, love, love to seek adventure.
1: Man, I obviously already in the early aspect of this interview, I, I have the epiphany that I need to get out a little bit more than what I do <laughs> talking to you. I'm thinking, okay, I've been on a hot air balloon, so I've gone on a hot air okay. balloon ride. However, to be completely honest with you. It is still a fear of mine. Perhaps one day I'll conquer this fear or these fears. Two things that I'm like, what I do, skydiving and bungee jumping. And now that you've mentioned it, mm. scuba diving would probably be put in that category as well.
0: Yeah. You know, bungee jumping is not, I feel like I'm okay without bungee jumping personally, but skydiving, we actually did on our honeymoon. And no. we didn't tell, like, funny story, we didn't tell our parents. So, like, we didn't tell anyone. We we're just like, because they'll talk us out of it. So, like, <laughs> we go on our honeymoon. We go skydiving in Naples, Florida. And um, we, like, are on our way home. And we call our, like, parents. we're like, you are not going to believe what we just did. Like, and, hey, I'll tell, okay, I'll go into this for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, come on. We're, we go up to 10,000 feet and we're getting up there and we're at like 1000 feet and we're already like at the clouds. Now clouds can be like different levels at different parts of the day or uh, different seasons. And so we're at the clouds and I'm like, okay, we've got to be close. Right. And I asked the guy, I'm like, so like, what are we at? And he like, looks down, he's like, we're at about a thousand and we're jumping from 10,000. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is legit. And then we get up there. Right. And they basically tell you to put like, you're like kneeling down, you got one foot And like you kick out and they tell you to kind of like banana your body out so that like you can kind of experience the free fall yeah and he's like okay we're gonna go three two one and basically uh i he goes three two and he stops and i'm like dude this is cruel like this is this is rough and all of a sudden like a couple seconds ago he goes like go and we did it we get down to the bottom he says he's like you know the reason why we didn't jump is like i looked down and there was a plane going below us. No, And I was like, you know, that was like oh, the flash wow. right before my eyes. So needless to say, um, I might be a one and done kind of skydiver, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, actually a really cool experience. I loved it. And it is super fun.
1: So, so what would you tell someone like me that's fearful of scuba diving, for instance, or skydiving or, you know, like they're what very you- different. Okay. They're Are they? That-
0: yeah, they are. I would say skydiving is more for the thrill of adventure. Yep. Like scuba diving is for like the exploration of things that we've never seen. Hmm. And I would say scuba diving, you're like floating. So especially with people with disabilities, mm-hmm. um, scuba diving kind of like levels the playing field, the buoyancy. Like there's mm-hmm. no longer I can actually walk without leg braces or anything underwater because like the mm-hmm. weight distribution is different. Yeah. And so there's just a, a level of freedom, a level, level of comfortability. Um, they do an awesome job of kind of like, you have like an extra regulator, you have people around you. So like, it's not as scary or like death defying kind of like thing. Um, I'd highly recommend if if both scare you scuba diving, I would recommend is, is, is the route to go. And you'll find out pretty early, like whether it's for you or not.
1: Yeah, perhaps I'll just keep it as you did very close to my inner circle on who I share if in fact I ever do any one of those two particular things. But no, I appreciate that. And uh, because I think life is too short not to conquer uh, many fears that we have. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Before we move any forward, you have so many different accomplishments, accolades, um, at this point in your life, I mean, some of which I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to just highlight right now. But you know, you've been um, you're a Tokyo 2020 Paralympic gold medalist. You're a world champion, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we, the list goes on. But I know um, there's so much behind the scenes that have led you to accomplishing so much in such a, in a relatively short period of time, mind you, too. Um, but I'm I'm interested before we get into some of that backdrop, some of your story. What do you want your legacy to be?
0: I think legacy is an interesting word, right? Because like I think about, I've asked the question to myself, of like, you know, what do I want my brand to be? And I think a brand is something that you know, we get off this call and you've experienced time together with me and you go tell someone else about me. And it's the words that just come out of your mouth naturally because of the conversations that we've had or the experiences that we have. And the longer I spend time with you, the more my brand should come out. But I think the interesting thing is brand is what you know in the moment. Legacy is what you leave behind when you're no longer there. Mm. And And so one of the interesting thoughts that I had is, for example, Kobe Bryant, Kobe lived a legacy out of like, he just like loved the daily disciplines. He did them consistently over long periods of time. And then he carried that on and like mentored the next generation. And now you see like, he's gone, but like his podcasts, his conversations, his work ethic, people share stories of times that they were with him. Sabrina from, um, she plays on the, the New York Liberty now. Like she is like carrying on his legacy and his daily disciplines. And like to me, the the legacy is the thing when like you're not here anymore or like your time is done in that passion that you had. Yet like people remember that they, they want to like wear your jersey number. They want to embody like the um, the day to day things that you did to be able to get where you are. Um, and so the legacy that I just want to live is like, I want to be the same person everywhere that I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, all I can ask for people is that like who you want to be, you live out. And no matter if I'm with you or if I'm with my wife or if I'm on stage or if I'm playing basketball, like I want to be the same person everywhere that I go. I want people to consistently have, um, an idea that I'm going to be the first one in the last one out, the hardest working that I'm going to be attentively focused on like helping you reach your goals to like, there's the high that I get is when like you see something within yourself that you never saw before, and then you go attack it full force. And if I'm able to do that through stories and lessons and strategies that I've learned um, and you can make that your own, like that's, that's when beautiful music happens. um, And you don't really find out your legacy until uh, it's it's all over.
1: That's right. Well, talking about stories, I think it's a good um, segue into the next area that I want to talk to you about. Um, speaking of stories, you came out with about six months ago, if my memory serves me correctly, a TEDx talk, and I was deeply moved and inspired by it. Mm-hmm. You need to know that. I'm already telling people about it. I took a walk with... Uh, A good friend of mine, which I do every other week, I was telling him about you, telling him about your TEDx talk. He already has someone that he hasn't even seen it. But by just by Mm -hmm. me talking about it, he's like, can you send me the link? I want to check it out for myself and also send it to someone Mm -hmm. very close with me that needs great encouragement. The TEDx talk, I believe it was TEDx Charlotte. uh, It's called Loving What We Hate. I'm going to say that again, loving what we hate. I will make sure to put in the show notes, the um, the TEDx talk link to make sure to make it very accessible to people listening right now. But can you like, tell us more about just your experience with the TEDx, you know, TEDx for so many people, they've heard TED talks, they've been moved by them, inspired by them. It's helped them provide some practical tools for the toolbox to set them up for greater success. What was your TED experience, just overarching experience like?
0: One thing that I will, because I have friends that have done them in other cities, is that the unique part about TEDx is like they're independent organizations that like carry out like TEDx conferences. Mm -hmm. So one TEDx experience could be a little different than another TEDx experience. But one of the cool things that I thought TEDx Charlotte did that really helped me was like you go through the process of like you pitch your idea and there's a panel of people and you give like your two minute elevator pitch and then like they select their finalists and then they basically you get a speaker coach. And from May till September, you're working with your speaker coach on your topic, your conversation, and what you started with, with the elevator pitch, may it be nothing of what you finish with. Like I think my elevator pitch was something along the lines of um, what if our greatest weaknesses could be, come or what if our biggest weaknesses could become our greatest assets hmm. and now it stayed kind of similar but like we refined it and we talked about that like we talked about different plays that we could have and what we could talk about and like you take this like storyboard idea and you drill it down to like a 10 minute really clear really concise message um the other thing that i would say is like i speak all over the country and i find myself to be a a very good speaker, but this was probably one of the most difficult, Mm. uh, talks I've given because not only was it from a place of vulnerability, but also like whole, the whole thing was memorized. And with Ted, like one of the things that you want to do is you want it to be memorized, but you want to be able to play, like play around with the words and you want to be able to engage with your audience where it doesn't feel memorized. Um, and when I'm up on stage speaking, oftentimes I can, Go off script and come back. Well, with a TED Talk, like you got to like you have a certain amount of time. You have to stay on track. Every word matters, and it lives on forever. And so I think um, it really challenged me. Where you start out, where like you feel like you really know your talk, you start to memorize it, and you're like, I hate memorizing this. Like I feel like <laughs> such a robot. I'm like worse than I even started but what it does is like when you start to get to the place where you know it so well you go to new heights like you've never been before and i think that there's a life lesson in there of you know we think we know what we need like if it stinks to go down into the la- the valley but oftentimes it's like what we do in the valley that like gets us to new heights that we've never been before you- and most people when they experience that valley they want to run back to like the i knew what i was doing i'm not going to memorize it anymore but um those are just some things that come to mind as i like went through the journey of the TEDx experience.
1: What's so telling too, Ryan, of who you are, right? Because you could have taken the easier road and mm-hmm. been picked up by another TEDx because they all run a little differently, maybe not as um, regimented, not not every TEDx uh, community has a coach that they designate. Um, some really like professional speakers and some actually don't like professional speakers. They'd rather have yeah. someone who's more raw and then they can mold and shape them. It's very telling for you being a professional speaker that you are willing to go through a process like that it says to me a lot about who you are and i'm sure you're the same as a basketball player i'm sure you're the same as a speaker as you know family man etc that you're a learner mm-hmm. and you realize at the end of the day that your life is not your own that you've been given um the gift of life you've been given a mission a calling call it whatever you want a purpose that's meant ultimately for others. So you want to maximize your God-given ability as much as possible. And you saying yes to an opportunity like that. And let me just put it bluntly, put through the ringer a little bit, right? We, yeah. A lot of times we don't like that, but it's a selfless act of saying, my life is not my own. I want to be the best version of myself so others can benefit greatly and there can be a lasting legacy left behind so that i just applaud you for that now i want to do a deeper dive into this talk because just the topic alone when i came across <laughs> your topic i'm like come on loving what we hate i was thinking now brother i was like ryan i'm just talking out loud you know when, I, when i'm thinking at the topic i was like hold on that can't happen that can't exist You know, typically we either love something or someone or we can't, we can't stand them. And we just kind of camp on either one of these extremes. And now you're talking about me loving something that I despise, I hate or whatever. Take us into that, the reason why, and let that kind of lead us into, which I love in your talk, this scary movie illustration and making it relatable to us.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of think the loving what we hate topic, it's kind of like the Stephen A uh, <laughs> on on first take on ESPN. It's like the take that people are like, is he just trying to pick a fight here? Like, what is he trying to do? You know, like, like that. just take the most obscure thing and try to like create a hot take with it. But I think it's to catch your eye. I think it's to be able to say like, all right, like, I'll listen. I want to hear like what he has to say about this. And so to, to kind of dive into... Um, for for people that have listened to it or haven't listened to it, uh, there's a portion in my talk where I talk about, you know, when we love what we hate. And for me, that was like my disability growing up. I had a like dis- I, I still have a disability, but I had to, I mean, it's tough. Like teenage years for everyone are difficult. But just like embracing who we are and really sitting in the fact of like, I don't really like the fact that like I'm different than most people. And like it, it makes life in a lot of ways really challenging. And but When we get to a place where we embrace that, when we love that, um, it can actually be used as one of our greatest assets, our superpower. We can see that it unlocks doors and potential for our lives like never before. And I think um, specifically the scary scene, the scary movie uh, analogy is, you know, we all have watched a scary movie and there's that scene that comes up where uh, we're scared, like a heart's beating out of our chest. And it's because we're anticipating what might come. And it happens every time that you watch a scary movie for the first time. Now, I know you have some listeners that they don't get scared by anything and scary movies aren't scary. So like for them, like they know, so they, they, know they I'm, thinking, know. I'm um, thinking
1: for people like that, I'm thinking, man, does your heart beat at all? What in the world? I know, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so, but what's interesting is like if you watch that scary scene, like let's say your friend asks you to watch that same movie a second time like the second time it's a little less scary because you know what's coming mm. and you've embraced it. And we watch it three, four, five times. And all of a sudden, if we're all being honest at that fifth time, it's not scary anymore because like we have like disarmed the very thing that we once feared and we've embraced it. And I, I believe that that's true in our lives. Um, I got this idea from in 2020 in the Paralympic games, I was kind of like, you're alone. You have lots of time to think. And I started to think like, okay, we have eight games in 12 days and I've worked 20 odd years to get to this moment. So like, how many years per game have I trained for this moment? And then the magnitude gets bigger, right? And the stress gets bigger. And then you try to tell yourself, as we all do, like, just ignore it. Just ignore the fear. Just ignore, like, it's not a big game. It's just a normal game. And I was talking and I couldn't shake it. And so I just was talking to our sports psych uh, guy that was with us during the games and I said, like, how do how do I do this? What is this? Like, what are some strategies that I can use? And he, he gave this example of like, embrace it, mm-hmm. like play the scary scene over in your head that like, this is the biggest game of your life. Mm-hmm. Like you've had, you have trained your whole life for this and continue to like, every time that pops up, like embrace those things to make it to a place where you've dumbed it down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you've normalized it and it no longer has that same grasp. Like you haven't changed your circumstance. You haven't changed the situation, but now you're looking at it from a place where it no longer scares you. I'm going to go play the best basketball of my life. And I I was like, man, there is a timeless principle in there that I can like apply to things outside my life. So that's the scary scene uh, situation. I believe that everybody has their own scary scene, their own thing that they hate about themselves and I think like when we actually truly do embrace it and love it, I think our, our world is better for it. I think we have opportunities to grow and learn, and I think we get to use it as one of our greatest superpowers.
1: Calling all leaders. This is Rob Holman, and I'm sure you would agree with me, whether it's personal experience or second-hand experience, there is a glaring well-being problem in our world and in our workplaces. Matter of fact, I came across a Deloitte survey Recently, that revealed that almost 70% of executives are considering leaving their jobs for workplaces that care more for their well being. Part of the same study also said that 57% of employees outside of management roles want to quit for similar reasons. Okay, there is clearly a problem here lack of well being in the workplace. And I love how Tiki David, a Psychology Today blog writer, defines well-being. It's the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity. It actually includes having good mental health, high life satisfaction, a sense of meaning or purpose, and the ability to manage stress. In Steps, my inside-out leadership philosophy and principles, it's all about helping provide the tools, setting you up for greater success, of embracing your unique identity, living and leading out of a place of purpose and passion, to where you remain vibrant and sustainable for the long haul. So you, as an end result, can better serve people within your sphere of influence. I have a couple great resources for you to seriously consider. Take my free five-minute well-being assessment to get a finger on the pulse of how you're doing in this moment and in this time. To find out more information on that, please go to www.robholman.com forward slash checkup. In addition to that, check out my books. I have three of them. The first is Lead the Way, more to deal with personal leadership. The second, All In, how you can build and foster trust from the inside out. And lastly, and most recent book, Move the Needle, which is how you can have greater organizational influence from the inside out. All three books can be found on Amazon. Hopefully these resources greatly encourage and inspire you on your inside out leadership journey. So growing up, having a disability, and some of the insecurities that came along with it. For you, obviously, learning to love what you hate, it was not an overnight thing by any stretch of the imagination, as we know. Like what what were a couple practical things or were there a couple people that were in your life to encourage you along the journey? Like, you know, if I'm listening, like, which I am certainly, but also the viewers listening or the, the listeners, like get as practical as you will. Like what really helps on the journey Of again in process of learning to love what you hate.
0: Yeah. I think it comes down to three things. I think one, and it's easy because they're all A's. I think one is awareness. Like I had to become aware that I actually and be honest that like I actually hated this aspect of my life. And hate is a strong word. And I if you go watch my TED talk, like I define the like what I mean by hate. And I use the strong word to just show that the the love and the hate, like they're, they're very, um, they go against each other. Right. And I think that, um, but we have to be aware that we like, it even exists. Oftentimes we tuck some of these things so deep down into the crevices of our like soul that they don't even exist. Like we've trained our minds to say like, doesn't even exist. But then all of a sudden, like, I kind of give the analogy of like, you know, you go get a massage and like you're getting a deep tissue massage and everything feels good until they find that like tender spot. And it's like, ooh,
1: and <laughs> I
0: think like oftentimes we just never go get the deep tissue massage to be able to find that tender spot because it's so deeply rooted in wherever we've kind of stored it. But I think awareness is number one. I think when we become aware, then we can start to, in the second one, accept I think we go through the process of personally accepting. I think we go through the process of being vulnerable enough to share maybe the awareness that we've had with other people that we trust, because the scary scene that we play in our head isn't as scary when, like, when we say them to other people, they're like, that's it? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing that's bothering you? Like, no, like, I love you for so much more than just that, you know, or... I didn't even recognize that that was bothering you until you said something. How often have we had those conversations where like we made this huge, big thing, where then in reality it was like
1: super tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and All then- right, Can I could I mm-hmm. ask you could I have real quick on that before you move on any further, just so this doesn't escape me. On the acceptance aspect, right? Which is so, it's one thing to have awareness, right? And there's different ways that we can become more aware and people in our life. But that acceptance piece for so many is so challenging because it can lead us to a place of grief and grieving. Like, yeah, any, I don't know for your journey, when you really started to accept some things about yourself, did that lead you into like an ultra vulnerable place where you had to spend some time grieving for, I don't know what was lost or what you always hoped for in that acceptance aspect.
0: So what's interesting about the word acceptance, and I was actually just talking with my sports psych guy about this, like last week, Mm -hmm. Um, acceptance doesn't mean that I agree with it. It doesn't mean that like, I have to like it. I'm just acknowledging that it is there. Like I'm acknowledging that it exists. Yeah, Like the action that we take from it is kind of like, if I don't like that, use it as an asset, use it as something that can propel me forward. Like, um, and I think that we get the word acceptance wrong. Like if I accept something that means like I'm receiving it, I'm like taking it in, but like the acceptance that I'm talking about is just, it's admitting that it exists, okay. that I accept that it exists. And because I've accepted that it exists now, like I can move forward from that in some capacity. It doesn't mean that I'm moving forward and saying like, and I like it. (sighs) And I know that I'm saying loving what we hate, but I think within the process, like we can accept it. We can still say like, I'm not a huge fan of that, but we can still leap from that into action. We, when we do that, it allows us to go to places that we've never been able to go before because we've stopped there. Like we've, we've on, we've we've only hit it and tried to dress it in so many different ways rather than like leaving it there seeing it and now taking action forward into our lives
1: that's so good. Because I, I as I've listened to you, thank you for defining that with acceptance, yeah. you know, because so many times people can be all all across the board with what that means and how deep you have to go. And I also can't help but think in how you're defining it and everything is it loses some of its power, that insecurity, right? It starts to turn the corner now. It doesn't... Um, Yeah. It has the potential not to scare us, not to own us, not to take us out to lunch anymore, for lack of a better term. What would then be- And I think it allows us to not get, like the one thing that I think too, is it allows us to not get
0: stuck. Mm. So I think sometimes when we, so we have the awareness, we go to accept it. And like our version of acceptance is like, that I got to like, like, I got to embrace it. Right. I think it's, if you can, that's awesome. You know, like if you can own it, it's kind of the the Eminem eight mile, like he, he literally like wraps all the things that the guy's going to say about him and he drops it. And he says like, what are you going to say about me now? You know? Um, yeah. And I think that there's power in that, but if we're not able to do that, I think oftentimes we get stuck and we don't know what to do and we just leave it there and we continue to hide it. And I think the point is, is like acceptance comes in all shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can recognize that we don't have to like, define it as good or bad. It just exists. And and then once we acknowledge that exists, hopefully that allows for an expansive view forward where we feel like possibilities exist beyond this.
1: And is that does that then lead into the third aspect? You said awareness, acceptance, and then what would the third be identified as? The
0: third is action. So Mm -hmm. it's the three A's. It's kind of awareness, acceptance, and action. Mm -hmm. And when we look at action, action is just like so what does that mean what do you do from that like how do you how does this um I kind of I I think about it from a standpoint of like you know when I have like a runner that's in the running blocks like they they put their feet up against the blocks before they're able to like get out to their sprint and it's so that they have backing so that they can push off and I think the first two allows to have that push off to be able to like spring into something next, but actions are also where you kind of, after you have the awareness and you have the acceptance, I think then you have to start asking yourself, so what, so what does this mean for me? So where do I go next? So how do I want to use this to better myself in the workplace, better myself as a husband, as a wife, um, better myself, in all aspects of life, in speaking, right? Like when I am able to take some of those vulnerable moments and turn them into a strength, turn them into maybe the things that aren't the shackles on me anymore. Now, I I believe that people operate in about two thirds of their actual capacity. The final third is just covering up all the things that they hate about themselves. Mm. And I think that when we stop doing that, like we have another thirty-three percent that we get to give to the world, and we get to figure out what that is.
1: Yeah, I can't help when I listen to your TEDx talk. I'm listening to you now. I just I want to be honest and transparent with everyone listening because it's causing me to look back at my own life and say what are the things even as a child that I I hated, I couldn't stand, mm-hmm. and what were some of the causes of that? What were some of the roots of that? You know, Ryan. You're getting me thinking, man, this is so good. And my heart's stern. I know I'm not the only one. So I appreciate you and doing that. Like growing up, I couldn't stand change. I couldn't stand change. It felt like I was a middle child. I have an older brother, younger sister, you know, loving parents, but they couldn't make their marriage work. And it really affected me. My parents got divorced when I was in high school, like after my junior year of high school, it really negatively affected this kind of wear your heart on your sleep, kind of a person, kind of a guy, right? And because of that, then we got to move in with my mom. We then visits with my dad. And now my world, it's a whirlwind of a life change. Everywhere we look, it was change. I just wanted stability. I yeah. just wanted some anchoring in my life. And those two that are supposed to provide some anchoring together in their partnership, now the partnership is broken. Mm. I hated change. Mm. I hated it. And and in time, uh, talking about having a level of awareness about it through some faithful friends that brought it to my attentions through some other unusual set of circumstances and some difficulties, some challenges, I started to I did start to accept. Mm. And interesting enough, in that acceptance, I started to learn something about myself that I had not previously known. Mm. I'm actually made for change. Mm. I was this hurt kid for years, just trying to cope, trying to deal, insecure about change. And if another change, it would just compound the hurt and the pain that was already there. But all of a sudden the shift started to occur in my heart and my mind of like, I think God's actually made me for it. He's Hmm. made me for change. Not just made me for change in my own life, made me as a vessel and a conduit to inspire and encourage other people that they're also made for change. So I just want to say thank you because now I can even use that in my own life as just fuel to the fire of inspiration and purpose in my own life to better serve and support and encourage other people. And uh, you're a tremendous gift, man, like the, the extraordinary work that you do and um, and the light that is in you that shines upon you so others can really be enveloped in this process of Of awareness, acceptance, and action. It's just a beautiful thing. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah.
0: One, appreciate the vulnerability of sharing that. And I think two, thanks for the kind words. I, I think the coolest part too, is like, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. And the, one of the things that I think like I'm really encouraged by is like, I know how many people that you speak to on a yearly basis. Right. Mm -hmm. And like for you to be able to hopefully, if you want use some of those frameworks that we've talked about today to be able to like speak and illustrate like how you've kind of grown to like embrace change and, and give your own kind of testimony to those things. The hope is that like other people see that and the multiplication effect exists, like why we do what we do is so other people can reach their untapped potential. How do we reach the most people possible by like, sharing our story with others who share stories with others who share stories with others.
1: Ryan, what word of wisdom would you like to leave behind with the listeners today? I think
0: when we we've covered a lot today, which has been awesome, but I think one of the things that I just want to share is uh, it's a piece of wisdom that was given to me and it's really helped me kind of ground myself in all seasons and all aspects of life and it's just be humble enough to prepare and be confident enough to perform. I think oftentimes confidence and arrogance and humility and all these words can kind of get jumbled up. But the important part is that like preparation is always needed. No matter if you are already skilled at something, if it's your first time doing it, um, it's the daily disciplines that we talked about. It's the leaning into the moments and, and really putting the effort and the time in so that when it's time to shine, when the lights are on, when you're at work. Um, you can be confident enough to put your best foot forward because confidence is something that is felt. It's something that is. Um, it, you can't make it up and you either got it or you don't. And it's from the preparation that you've done. And so just encouraging your listeners. We didn't dive into that aspect too much of it, but it's just something I always love to leave audiences with of just a food for thought thought.
1: And I love it. hundred percent agree. And who better to learn it from than you? You know, someone that has overcome quite a bit in your life and changed your perspective, your mindset, and your heart now is compelled to give back in a quite extraordinary way. So I just want to say thank you so much for the impact that you are making um, on the elite professional basketball level, but far beyond that, you know, just with your network, your sphere of influence globally. Um, so I just want to say personally, thank you for the work that you do, but even more importantly for who you are, because it stems and comes out of that.
0: Yeah. Well, appreciate you appreciate the kind words. And, uh, it's been awesome
1: to kind of just have this conversation today and dive into some topics a little bit more. Before we officially close our time together, you know we're going to have people, you know, whether they be business leaders or entertainers or just people that have an amazing sphere of influence in their own right yeah. uh, in different uh, you know, spheres of society. Where can they find you on social and beyond if they're looking to hire you, bring you in for a, as a conference speaker, organizational speaker, or just want to actually get in touch with your TEDx talk that has been yeah. transformative for so many?
0: Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways is I have a a unique last name. So I get to have all the handles to myself in terms of uh, just at Ryan Nicewonder on Instagram, Ryan Nicewonder, LinkedIn, Ryan uh, for uh speaking inquiries. And yeah, things are picking up. Um, I am passionate about helping teams and organizations reach their untapped potential. Have plenty to talk about. Excited to be able to come and do that. Um, and your organizations and your teams just around the world. So um my schedule's opening up. Things are getting booked up pretty quick with uh, Paris right around the corner. And so excited um, for the opportunity, and thanks for, for letting me plug that.
1: You bet, and thank you for the gift that you are. And I just want to encourage all of us, my clear takeaway today is, um, you know, we're not given tomorrow. We're not given next week. We're not given next month or year. So maximize your potential today lean in and lean on those that are trusted around you and let your mindset shift and change begin today and embrace some of the insecurities that perhaps have been holding you back for days, weeks, and maybe even years in some cases. So Ryan, again, thank you. And we look forward to sharing uh, this throughout social and throughout the world with many of our listeners. And we're looking forward to hearing from them. So thanks again, everyone. For Ryan, my name is Rob Holman. Thank you for joining us once again on Inside Out Leadership Podcast.